today on Ag News Daily. I'm perfectly willing to let the market worry about a big shift in acres uh, out of corn and into beans because I think, you know, the relative strength that we've seen in corn, uh, a big part of it is because of that fear of acreage shift. Good afternoon and happy Market Monday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Ready to chat some news today, Delaney. Yes, I am as well, Ashton. But while we're chatting news, uh, you know, I got to say, folks really today ought to be taking advantage of this nice weather that we're going to be having here for the next couple of days before things turn ugly again. And I'm guessing on today's crop progress report, we will see most of the corn and soybean crop probably pulled out of the field. Well, Delaney, as some of our listeners know, I went back home for the weekend and on my way back into Lubbock last night, I got caught behind three different trucks carrying bales of cotton, I guess, off to the processing plant. So we are getting it done down here as well. Well, fantastic. I'm sure we'll see those numbers reflected in today's report. But speaking of reports, Ashton, we also have the WASDE report coming out tomorrow. And although it is not supposed to be a market mover, as Ted Seifert is going to share with us here in a little bit, we're going to see it be a market mover at some point. They are definitely going to adjust yield to some extent. Whether or not we see it on tomorrow's report is going to be the big question. Well, Delaney, aside from crops, we also have some news coming in today about infrastructure because the U.S. House has passed the bipartisan infrastructure package. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says that this is a historic investment for America that will make significant progress in closing the digital divide. It will repair crumbling roads and bridges and make much-needed investments in ports, waterways, and rail transit. Now, this is a $550 billion bill that we're seeing, and about 52% of spending is going to go towards transportation categories like roads, bridges, ports, etc. And the other 48% is going to other categories like electric and power infrastructure, high-speed internet, and things of that nature. So we're finally seeing something come through with this, which I say would make for a good headline starting off this Monday. Well, Ashton, another thing the government has indicated now, for a variety of reasons, infrastructure, of course, is one of them, but the U.S. economy is continuing to recover here from the pandemic and has seen the fastest economic growth rate since 1994. They're indicating, however, that here in 2022, it'll start to taper off a little bit. And while we still will see fast growth, it will be a little more moderate at about a three and a half percent rate in 2022, which of course is going to impact or continue to impact the farm gate prices for corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, and of course other commodities as well. They're also indicating that inflation is projected to slow to an annual rate of about two and a half percent heading into 2022, which would taper a lot of fears about inflation and the cost of doing business. So we'll continue to watch that there. But really, as you look across the stock markets and you know, you look at markets like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, they pushed up to some new highs today, or they're trying to at least. The U.S. dollar continues to try to break out to the upside. So we're seeing a lot of strength, a lot of dollars being spent 
here, not only on the U.S. front, but also worldwide. And of course, that does have some fears or some longer term concerns for analysts. Well, Delaney, another longer term concern that we are looking out for, of course, is animal disease. So I kind of have a two-parter here, just an update talking about foreign animal diseases. And one of those, of course, being bird flu. Don't have a whole lot to talk about here, just that it has spread to Poland and another farm in Britain. So going to keep looking out on that because the one in Poland, I believe, hit a poultry farm that was in the six figures and mm. somewhere in that range. So a, a pretty big farm that that hit. So going to look out for that story or any updates coming from that. But another one that I have is concerning African swine fever. As Bulgarian veterinary authorities earlier today reported a new outbreak of ASF at an industrial farm that has a total of 108 pigs in the southern village or a southern village, I should say. And this outbreak is the second at an industrial farm in a Balkan country this year. I can't remember the other one, Delaney, so kind of lacking there. But it is still spreading out there. Don't have a whole lot of information except for, you know, all the pigs at this farm will be cold. It's 180 pigs. So not a incredible hit, but still, you know, not one that you'd want to see. Well, you mentioned that it was in Bulgaria, Ashton, and that's not an area that produces a ton of pork as is. So it's definitely a little more detrimental to countries like that, that don't have that readily available pork and they really do rely on even these smaller farmers to help provide for their country's uh, food source there. Yeah, you make a great point there, Delaney. I didn't know that they aren't really a big pork producer. So I suspect that it'll be a, a pretty big hit, I guess, then to their pork supply. But other than that, don't really have a whole lot of other news to talk about. What about you? I have one other big story I saved for last year as we talk about or continue to follow the stories on cyber attacks. Well, apparently earlier today, U.S. authorities are officially seeking the extradition of a Ukrainian man who has been arrested or at least trying to arrest him, of course, there with the extradition clause. But he has been suspected of collecting about $2.3 million during the ransomware attack that was put on JBS back in June. Earlier today, Romanian authorities arrested two others suspected of cyber attacks in about 17 different countries using the Revel ransomware software that this Ukrainian man was also accused of using. And so the two that were arrested today in Romania are suspected of causing about 5,000 infections with ransomware, collecting about half a million euros in ransom payments. So these men are being sought by U.S. prosecutors and they are requesting government intervention to enter Poland and then into Ukraine to extradite the JBS attacker. And like I mentioned there, you Romania is looking to the U.S. here to help with getting involved for the two others that were um, suspected of being involved in this. But overall, it sounds like they are making some headway there. Or if nothing else, they're pointing the finger at someone for some of these issues. 
Well, Delaney, I'm glad that we are having some of our questions answered here. I mean, we talked about cybersecurity last week, so folks can go and listen to that episode if they want any advice on how to protect themselves. But I'm glad that we are kind of making headway, I guess, or some some kind of movement to try and find somebody who was, you know, the uh, person committing these attacks. Absolutely. But actually, I tell you what, that's all the news I had for today. So why don't you say we hop in here and chat markets really fast? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, we certainly saw a lot of pressure today on the grain markets heading into tomorrow's WASI report, which of course releases at 11 a.m. Folks, you can find us at Ag News Daily. We'll give you the quick hits of that report when it's released. We've got crop progress report coming out later today, but you know, as we discussed earlier, that's not going to be obviously a huge market mover. So hopping over to chat markets today, the December corn contract sold off a penny and a half to close at 551 and a half. The March down a penny and a quarter to close at 561. Soybeans today really feeling the pressure after I believe four or five trading sessions now where they have closed lower. January soybeans down 17 cents today to end at 11.88 and a half. The November 22 contract down eight and three quarter cents, closing the day at 12.01 and three quarters. Wheat had a little bit of strength today as we continue to try to push upward here, but We'll get to what Ted has on the wheat market here coming up in just a moment. Today, Chicago December wheat up a penny and a half to close at 768. The March up a penny and a half as well to close at 781 and a quarter. Hopping over into the livestock markets, we are continuing to watch the live cattle market try and find their footing. As the December contract closed up 30 cents today to end at 132.10, the February unchanged on the day, closing out. Monday here at 137.12 and a half. And in the feeder cattle markets, the January contract up 70 cents today to close at 160.30. The March up 62.5 cents, closing the day out at 161.40. And hopping over into the lean hog markets, December today shedding 17.5 cents to close at 76.37.5. The February down 10 cents to close at 79.37 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. December today up 14 cents, closing out at seven seven. Excuse me, at 17.73. January up 16 cents, closing the day at 18.12. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our, our conversation with Ted Seifred. Well, folks, chatting today with Ted Seifred of the Zaner Group. And Ted, it is nice today in, well, all across the U.S. Hopefully here folks aren't uh, dealing with too much inclement weather, getting in there, getting the crop out. But as far as weather goes and the crop goes this year, what are you hearing from some of your growers? Yeah, you know, for the most part, I mean, guys are really trying to finish up as best they can right now because, like you said, it's it's really nice at the moment. But uh, there's some weather weather coming in later in the week, uh, basically starting on Wednesday. So everybody I've talked to today, if they're not done, they are scrambling to try to get that uh, taken care of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the general consensus has been uh, as harvest has gone on is. Wow, this uh, crop did really well, even in, or maybe even especially in the areas that, you know, were in D2 drought uh, throughout the year. And, you know, we thought back in June or July that uh, we were just, we were toast. It's not going to do much of anything. And and there are certainly areas that had their problems. Uh, I mean, it's not everybody, you know, it's not everything that, that looks good, but there's a lot of guys. Um, and I'm going to say, especially in soybeans, that 
have been very surprised with uh, with how good their yields have been coming out. Um, and, you know, I, I think that goes back to genetics and, and, you know, the rains that we got in August. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, this this was definitely not a crop failure. In fact, I think we're probably looking at national average yield records for both corn and soybeans. We'll, we'll find out more about that from the USDA tomorrow. Uh, but if we're not at records, we're really very close. And it ended up being a, a really darn good uh, harvest for most for most of the guys. So, Ted, as you talk about tomorrow's report, usually November is not a big market mover. Do you think we're going to see USDA adjust yields on tomorrow's report or any other big surprises that you're expecting to see come down the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, so that, that's a good question, Delaney, because you're right. You know, November and December <clears throat> are not months that they usually make a whole lot of changes on. Um, but this year, if it were me, I would be compelled to do so. Uh, because again, you know, like we were just talking about, I think it was a bit surprising to see some of the yields coming out of some of the areas that we thought were were going to be really poor. Um, but I don't know. You know, I, the bottom line, Blaney, is I, I think the USDA is going to have to raise yield for both corn and soybeans. It's just a matter of when are they going to do that? Are they going to do that on this November report? Or is that a, Jan- a January thing? And if they don't do it on this November report, that really opens the door for a little bit more upside potential in corn and maybe a pretty significant bounce in soybeans. Because if you look at soybeans, just the last four or five trade sessions, we've dropped about almost 80 cents. You know, we've really beaten the soybeans up in front of this report because of the ideas that that yield should be going higher and the balance sheet should be getting bigger, bigger carryover. Uh, So if that doesn't happen tomorrow, well, that would maybe give us an opportunity to say, okay, you know, seasonal low in soybeans. Now we're going to kind of try to rally back uh, and push higher into the end of the calendar year because we still have weather risk down in South America. That crop is not made, although they are planting very quickly. And that is usually an indication that the yield potential is there. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can't run into problems at some point. So, you know, until we know really that that South American crop is there. There's there's going to be weather risk. And also, you know, I mean, the trade has been talking a lot about high input costs causing a big shift into mm-hmm. soybean acres away from corn acres. Well, well, that hasn't happened yet. So, you know, kind of putting the cart before the horse there a little bit. Uh, and again, I, I see reason for recovery in soybeans between now and the end of the calendar year, as long as the USDA doesn't absolutely kill us tomorrow with this report coming out. And if they do, if the USDA does come out with, say, like a, a 53.6 national average yield and a carryover of 440, 460 million bushel, well, then we can start talking about 1080 for a low uh, in the Jan beans. I, I've been looking for 1080 as a low uh, for beans. You know, I, that's an area that I have major support. That's an area that I think China will be a very aggressive buyer. And at some point, if we get down there, uh, I think China buys more than, than what people are currently expecting. And that might be the catalyst for us to go higher in the long run. Uh, but, you know, there is that downside potential in beans. It's just a question of when. And a lot of that will be kind of answered by the USDA tomorrow. Yeah. And, Ted, you know, you talk about beans really selling off here ahead of tomorrow's report. We thought maybe a couple of weeks ago when we chatted with some other market analysts that perhaps the harvest low had been put in for soybeans. And it really doesn't seem like that's the case now. When can we expect to see that happen? Or are we just going to continue to see downward pressure until the market really knows what's coming out of those fields yield wise? It really depends on what the USDA does with yield now. You know, if this report tomorrow is neutral, 
or bullish or, or not as bearish as expectations, then I think maybe today's lows might be it for now. Uh, but, you know, to whoever, whoever you're talking about that said that, you know, a lot of us were saying that. And, and that was because uh, a few weeks ago, we were operating under the idea that the USDA was probably pretty close on their yield. But as harvest has progressed, and soybeans in particular, we've realized, and the market has realized, that, wow, these yields are really good, much better than expected. And that's probably going to translate into a bigger uh, production number and therefore a bigger carryover number. Uh, China hasn't been as aggressive as a, a buyer as I think some of us have hoped. Uh, so things have kind of really changed in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, that really is why we've seen what we've seen here uh, the last few days. But again, the USDA chimes in on that on Tuesday, tomorrow. Right. And if they don't raise the yield dramatically, like the trade is afraid of, well, then, yeah, maybe we can be talking about harvest lows again. So, you know, ask me again at uh, 1101 tomorrow and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, for now, I have kind of a two parter question for you. Of course, we've been talking a lot about increased input costs like fertilizer. So how much of a shift do we see next year from corn to soybean acres or is this kind of just a situation where the market is overhyping this? That's a really good question. And, and you know what? I'm perfectly willing to let the market worry about a big shift in acres uh, out of corn and into beans. Because I think, you know, the relative strength that we've seen in corn, uh, a big part of it is because of that fear of acreage shift. Um, but I don't know. You know, I, I'll say this: if it is a price concern, if it's if if we get into spring and inputs are, are really expensive, but they are available, I don't think we're going to drift away too far from uh, a fifty the, our normal rotations. Right? Um, we've had good prices. We've been able to hedge. So you know, hopefully, when guys are booking inputs, they are turning around. And booking grain prices, you know, because, you know, if you have the profit margin, do it. Don't wait. Um, so I don't if, it, if it's simply a, a cost concern, I don't think we're going to see this, you know, three, four five million acre shift out of corn and into beans. But if it's an availability issue, you know, if it's if it's yeah, you know, we, we did book our inputs, but they can't be delivered because they're just not there. Or, or I can't buy them now because it's, it's just not available. Well, then that really changes things, right? If, if, we, if we don't have the inputs to put down, well, then we might actually see a bit of an acreage shift. So I don't know if we can really say with any certainty how the acreage situation is going to play out in the springtime. But I will say this, we're going to get a bit of a look into it because before we even get you know, ready for, for our planting season. We've got a, a, a planting season down in South America. And, and how Brazil treats their second season sephrenic corn crop is going to give us a lot of insight into what our acreage situa situation and what our planting situation is going to be for next year. If they simply can't get the inputs and they have to cut out a pretty sizable amount of, of their corn acres, which I, I don't know, I'd be pretty shocked if that is what happens. But I guess I, you know, anything's possible. Uh, but if that is what happens, then you do really have to worry about those corn acres here in the United States for next year, too. Ted, I want to switch tracks here and talk the wheat market, specifically here, spring wheat, because we didn't touch $11 in the December contract, came pretty dang close, and we've since retracted yeah. since then. Is this it? Is the top in here? 
Well, you know, wheat's got a fairly bullish uh, fundamental story and one that we've been trading for some time. So, you know, with the prices that we've gotten up to, they've gotten close enough to a lot of our upside targets to say, hey, you know, that that could be that could be enough for wheat. But again, I, I feel like wheat has room to move to the upside in a bullish climate, meaning if corn and soybeans find their footing and start going higher again, we will want to do the same and we will want to go and test those new highs. But conversely, if we are in a situation, if we're in a climate where corn and soybeans are, are going down, soybeans really leading the way and pulling corn with it, it's going to be a real struggle to get wheat up to those highs again, because the, the high prices that we, we've seen in wheat, I think it's really done the job of, of bringing in more acres. I think it's going to bring in more production, not just here in the United States, but really globally. Um, so it's not a situation in my mind where wheat needs to go make new highs. We can go make new highs, but again, it's gotta be in a climate where corn and soybeans aren't doing everything they can do to pull wheat down. And overall, you know, you look at the U S dollar too. It's really been threatening a breakout to the upside. That would be a major headwind for the wheat if the dollar continues to, to find some strength there too. So <clears throat> Wheat's kind of in a, in a uh, consolidation period as we've broken off the highs. So far, we're holding support. Again, the USDA will chime in on, on you know, their thoughts on the wheat market uh, on the report tomorrow. Uh, uh, but again, I, you know, I, I see a, a potential for wheat to go and make new highs if, if corn and wheat can find their footing and start to bounce from where they're at right now. Ted, before we let you go, I know you've got a big run you're prepping here for. You're going to get a nice little run in here while we do have a final nice day here of fall. But the hog market, it mm -hmm. seems like it just can't quite figure out which direction it wants to go. What do you make of this? Yeah, you know, I think we had gotten too cheap there in the hogs and we've done it a couple of times. You know, you look at December, uh, you know, getting down to 70, 72 or below. I, I think that was just flat out too cheap. And both times we've gotten down there, we've had pretty significant bounces. We do have less animals out there. Problem is, is that weights are a little bit up, meaning we're backed up on marketing a little bit. So that's what's keeping the December down a little bit. I mean, if you look at February, it's trading at a, at a, at a premium. Uh, but, you know, I mean, a lot of this is also technical. Now you've got a double bottom in hogs around that 72 mark, uh, one that we put in, in in middle of September and then the end of October. So if, if, to me, it feels good, like the, the downsides in as long as we don't have any unforeseen major calamity here in the United States, you know, something starting with the letter A, for example. Um, but you look at, you know, what we did on Friday and what we did today. Well, hey, you know, we had a little bit of pullback off the key resistance. We held support both days. You like the fact that that December contract bounced back almost to unchanged. I think we're set up for some higher trade tomorrow. I think we're going higher. I, I think that December hog contract is value priced somewhere between 82 and 84, 86, somewhere in that area. Uh, so we're a little ways below that right now. So I, I see upside potential. And, you know, if domestic demand stays strong and cutout values start going higher again, I could even justify prices higher than that, maybe even closer to where we took the October off the board uh, in the upper 80s uh, and possibly even lower 90s. So I'm optimistic for hogs. I like the way that we've traded in the last couple of weeks since we bounced off the lows. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, recognizing on Friday that we needed to sort of pull back off that cluster of moving average uh, resistance that we ran into. We did that. Again, we, we started to follow through a little bit to the downside here on Monday, today, uh, but then bounced back really nice to the close. So I'm, I'm optimistic that we got some, we've got some higher prices coming for the hogs as long as nothing catastrophic happens. 
Fantastic. Well, Ted Seifert, certainly appreciate you chatting with us today. Really quick before we let you go, if folks want to chat with you and continue the conversation, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me directly at 312-277-0113. You can also find us on the web at www.zaner, that's Z-A-N-E-R.com. And if you like Twitter, I am on the Twitters uh, at the Ted Spread. And I like to talk about cars. And I did just convert my second car to, uh, it was the second car I've converted to be running E85. And there's a whole lot of documentation and cool videos of dyno tuning on there. If you're interested in that sort of thing, I also will fight uh, to the end about a hot dog being a sandwich. If you have a different (laughs) opinion, come at me, bro. Uh, But yeah, so yeah, at the Ted Spread on Twitter, if you're interested. Fantastic. Well, Ted, I agree with you. The hot dog is a sandwich. So uh, with that, uh, we'll let you go. But thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Thanks again there to Ted for coming on and chatting markets with us. Folks, if you want to look forward to any of our interviews that we're going to have this week, of course, we have Market Monday today, but we also have Tech Tuesday tomorrow. So be out on the look for that at agnewsdaily.com and follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at agnewsdaily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.